The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? How are you now? D- dare I ask? Because uh, let's face it, that is yet another absolute stinker in the books. The Montreal Canadiens lose five to nothing to the San Jose Sharks on home ice in front of a very clearly not sold out crowd uh, for pretty obvious reasons. Based on what we've seen so far this season, who wants to pay for this? <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode, episode four of this season of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast, presented by Habs Eyes on the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and uh, I'm, I'm going to spare everybody the indignity of me recapping that game and telling you what happened, because it was a complete shit show, and. Um, uh, so I'm going to skip that part. I'm, I'm going to get right into, you know, what, what do I think the Montreal Canadiens need to do from here? And if you're reading the article, you probably have a pretty good idea where I'm about to go. Reports are out there that Marc Bergevin has already been offered a contract extension as general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. If Jeff Molson has any sense about him, If he has any sense at all, what he would do is probably some point during that 5-0 loss is march from whatever private box he was sitting in, watching the non-sellout crowd completely flustered, watching their team do nothing on the ice, march out of there, march directly into the office of one Marc Bergevin, retrieve the written offer that reportedly exists for him to be extended as the team's general manager, and set it on fire. Apparently, he's still weighing his options. Like, he's still thinking about it. He's not sure if he wants to come back as the general manager of these Montreal Canadiens. And I say, let's make his decision easy. Let's remove that as an option. Why are we even entertaining that at this point? It's very clear that he he made an effort to build a team that could score a little bit more coming out of that magical run to the Stanley Cup Finals. And he has very not done that. He has very not done that. I mean, you can blame the coaching staff, but guess what else? Guess who's responsible for the coaching staff? It's not the last general manager. He's made multiple coaching changes during his tenure as general manager. And still, to this day, they're, they're, they're incapable I could understand anybody who, who wants to go into, you know, let's let's blame the coaching staff, right? I, I get that. I, I get it 100%. But at some point, you got to look at the guy who's putting these people in their positions and you got to say, all right, is this the guy? Is this the guy that should be doing it? Because you know what? He's had multiple chances. He's made multiple changes. And still, this is what we're dealing with. They can't play defense in their own end. 
They can't, uh, they have no discernible breakout strategy whatsoever beyond flipping the puck up in the air and hoping somebody chases it down or trying a stretch pass that works one time out of 10. And the one time it did work in that game, it went to Josh Anderson and he couldn't score on it. But I mean, the, the, the overall strategy on the ice is, is clearly not there. The team is not built to win without stellar goaltending, which when they don't get it, they're clearly in trouble. And this has been the mark of Marc Bergevin's tenure is over-reliance on goaltending and not a whole lot of scoring. And this was supposed to be the team that he put together that you know on paper looked like it would have the most scoring power of any of the teams that he's built so far. And clearly through four games, that's absolutely not the case. So not only would I go in, if I were more, if I were Jeff Molson, not only would I go in and set that contract extension on fire, I would fire him immediately. I would dismiss him as the general manager because even if, let's go back to what I said before, even if you're one of those people who tends to want to blame the coaching staff more so than the general manager at this point through four games, that's okay. And, and again, I, I kind of agree with you, right? There is definitely a measure of blame to put on the coaching staff, but I'll get to them. I'll get to them. I want to look at that guy and I want to say, why the hell should I let you, if I'm Jeff Molson, why should I let you hire and fire more coaches at this point? You've had a decade to figure it out and you haven't. So what else is left at this point? We got to just cut, like, we got to cut bait and we got to say, all right, we're done with you. You don't even know if you want to be back. You, uh, apparently, according to the reports, he's got a contract extension ready to sign and he doesn't, he's weighing his options. All right, cool. So have fun in California then. Go get a tan. I hope they have a goaltender over there that you can like super, super duper lean on for your entire tenure because that's what you do. That is what he does. Let's be honest. His two best seasons as general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, uh, what, 2014 when they made the conference final, and obviously last year when they made the Stanley Cup final. Who authored those seasons? Was it him? Was it really? Does anybody legitimately think that he authored those seasons? Or were they authored almost entirely? by Carey Price. Now, I don't want to take away from other people last season. Let's just go back to last season for now. I don't want to take away from Nick Suzuki. He, he did amazing. He was the main point producer for that team. He, he, he had a great playoffs. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from Philippe Dano. He did a great job shutting down some of the best forwards on the other side of the ice. But let's face it, the Montreal Canadiens do not make it through the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maybe they make it through the Jets, but they definitely do not make it through the Vegas Golden Knights, or the Leafs without Carey Price. And Carey Price is a player who Marc Bergevin had zero hand in acquiring. He was already there. It's like he gets a job running a team, and he's got one of the best goaltenders of all time, certainly one of the best goaltenders in, in the history of the Montreal Canadiens, and he gets to benefit from that, and he has done not nearly enough to build a team around that in the decade that he's had to do so. So you got to get rid of him. <laughs> you got to get rid of him. I mean, he can't be the guy picking the next coach if you want to blame the coaching staff. Again, he can't be the guy picking the next coach. And he's always going to have his supporters, you know. He, he will. 
They're they're all over Twitter. They're they're all over the place, right? He has his supporters, and they 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 have a point, right? Because they always point to his his good moves, right? Like the the trade to get Philippe Dano was a stroke of brilliance. Uh, the Max Pacioretty trade, right? Trading Max Pacioretty was an unenviable task for anybody because it was always going to be tough for the Habs to win that trade. And you know it, the the jury's kind of still out on that, but it seems that they like he did a great job with that the Tyler Toffoli contract brilliant piece of business honestly the Nick Suzuki contract very recently I think that's a brilliant piece of business I said it on the absent-minded podcast that we did the other day and I'm saying it again now I think that's a brilliant piece of business for the Montreal Canadiens these moves these great moves that he's made should not save him they shouldn't because he's always going to have those He's always going to have them. So what, what, what would it take? If, if you're one of those people that, that really support Bergevin and you don't think that he should be fired, what would it take for you? Would it take, like if they go 0-82, would, would you support firing him? Or would you still point to those same moves that he made that were good that make you not want to fire him? I don't know. All I know is that a lot of people who support him, they tend to just point to those things and they ignore the fact that he's had four seasons in the last, what, six years where he's missed the playoffs. And, I, and by the way, I count the coronavirus year where they, they got the play-in. I count that as missing the playoffs. You missed the playoffs. You only got into the playoffs because there was a play-in round and that doesn't normally exist. So four times in the last six years that you've missed the playoffs completely. And... Yes, you get some credit. You, you you do get a little bit of shine. I mean, you were a finalist for the GM of the Year award as a result of, you know, making it to the Stanley Cup final with last year's team. But again, you 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 shouldn't get that much credit to the point where you can start a season 0-4 looking this terrible and still be safe in your position. I don't... I, I, if, if this isn't enough then I don't know whatever will be for his supporters and for Jeff Molson, right? Jeff Molson, I think what it'll take for him is probably his bottom line getting affected. And that's what I'm wondering is, you know, was he sitting there looking at maybe this crowd? Because it was very clearly not a sellout crowd against San Jose. Very clearly not. I wonder if he looks at that and goes, well, you know what? Now it's starting to maybe affect my bottom line. Maybe I'm going to make less money and then maybe I got to do something. Something's got to be done. And he's where I'd start. I'd start with him. He's the guy at the top. He put this entire coaching staff into place. And, um, you know, I don't want him to be the next person picking the new coaching staff if there's going to be one. And on that note, let's, let's talk about the coaching staff real quick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to wrap this up as fast as possible because I'm sure everybody's probably sick of hearing from me at this point. Nobody's surprised to hear me saying that I want Marc Bergevin fired because I've said it, if you read eyes on the prize you've probably heard me say it <laughs> at least five times at this point in in my time as a, a writer and editor at, at EOTP who knows but let's talk about the coaching staff um it's pretty brutal the on-ice product is not there if I was starting anywhere I'd start probably with Luke Richardson the defense coach and I've said this many many times too it's not the first time that I'm saying I think he should be fired he like the 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 defense the way that they move the puck out of their zone 
is based on two things for the most part. Flip it up in the air and try to put it over top of the defense and hope that one of your players can outskate the opposition and get to it first. Or, number two, is a stretch pass, right? I mentioned that earlier. It works one out of ten times if you're lucky. It did work once against the Sharks and Josh Anderson was not able to score on it. You, They try these incredibly low percentage plays. They do have fast forwards, but... You know, those two options, the flip up and then the stretch pass, having fast forwards is not enough. You also need like a measure of luck for that to work with any degree of certainty. I mean, it's again, it's it's maybe if you're lucky 10% of the time, you, you might have that work, right? And but they're doing it, you know, I'd say maybe 70, 80% of the time. That's how they're trying to break out of their zone. Like, add on to that the fact that the defensive zone coverage is brutal. Nobody seems to know where they want to be. The trailer is always open for the opposition. Every time. Whoever the trailing forward is, he's always open. Because people are just drifting over to the boards to go and try uh, try and cover the puck carrier. Because it seems like nobody knows who's supposed to be over there. I put a lot of that on Luke Richardson. But I would also put a fair bit of that directly on the square shoulders of the head coach, Dominique Ducharme. I honestly wonder if he's out of his depth. I, 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 I questioned his role a little bit during the playoffs last year, but then I backed off from it when they, when they magically beat the Leafs and then they, you know, they swept the Jets. I, I kind of had to back off. I was like, all right, maybe this guy does know what he's doing. But now I'm looking at this and like now you, you don't have Philippe Dano anymore to just neutralize the top line of the other team and all of a sudden you're out of your depth. So I wonder, are you capable of putting together a game plan? I don't know. What I do know is somebody's head has to roll. You guys know now who who I'd pick, right? Who I'd pick first out of anybody. I'm not even saying he's the only one I'd pick, right? I think I, I do think there's a measure of blame on the coaching staff as mentioned. Um, but you, you absolutely can't sit there and just eat this 0-4 start and say, well, fuck it, we're, we're going to try to come back next year. And if, if this is the team you're coming back with, then you're just going to be in the same position, right? Maybe you finish last place, and maybe, maybe you win the lottery. Maybe you draft Shane Wright. Maybe that helps things. Maybe it doesn't. At the end of the day, this team has had high draft picks before. Look what's happened with those. They're all gone, right? The highest remaining draft pick that we have is uh, is Carey Price at this point. They've had third overall draft pick twice. Both those guys, gone. During Bergevin's tenure. So, for that I say, he's got to go. And uh, I'd do it. Honestly, if, if if I was Jeff Molson, I'd be doing it right now. But you know what? I'm not. Uh, I'm not a billionaire. If I was, I'd buy the Montreal Canadiens and then I'd do it. But I'm not. I'm just a guy yelling into a microphone in my living room. And I guess that's uh, as good a place as any to end it. Um, thank you everybody for listening. I'm not giving up on this podcast. I'm going to keep doing it. So we will be back on Thursday night for the return of one of those aforementioned early third overall draft picks to the Bell Center. Yes, Perry Kotkaniemi and the Carolina Hurricanes are going to be in town. That should be fun. 
<laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. We are running over 15 minutes today. So, vraiment, c'est une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. It's more like a more like a top six minutes at this point in terms of how long I went. Uh, apologies for that. Or maybe not apologies if you enjoyed it. Um, we are on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on uh, Google Play, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Uh, we will be back, like I said, on Thursday for that uh, fateful game against the the new rivals, the Carolina Hurricanes. We'll see how that one goes. Hopefully considerably better, regardless of what happens uh, with any kind of staffing changes in the interim. Hopefully it goes much better. But thank you again to everybody for listening, especially to this extra long episode. And as always, à la prochaine.